Hey, things are getting kind of hot and heavy. Do you want to put on some music? Oh yeah, let me put on this album that really puts me in the right mood. Yeah, alright, yeah, I'm down. What is it? Oh, just this little album called Kings of Leon Greatest Hits. Uh, I don't think this is gonna work. Hello there. I'm sure you're wondering what that was all about. Well, it's because this is Arts Interrupted's first episode of season six, the sex episode. We're talking everything from OnlyFans to Euphoria to The Bachelor. Truly, all the things that tickle your fancy. To warm up a bit and introduce or reintroduce you to the team, we're going to crank up the heat a little more with a little game we like to call Let Me Put You On, where we chat about the album that gives us the fanny flutters. And no, it's not Kings of Leon's greatest hits. It's actually um, Imagine Dragons. Emily, and I would say that my go-to album when I want to get in the right mood is Welcome Home by Hannah Cohen. Um, This album came out spring of last year, but I didn't really get into it until the first few, you know, really lonely weeks of quarantine. Um, I just love this album. I think that Hannah Cohen has a really, really unique and nice voice, and the whole album is just like super sweet and pleasant and just like a really good vibe overall is it like a sad album is it like acoustic-y um it's like it has like piano and guitar but then also okay. like synth stuff too so it's so like this is like a like an intimate album yeah like, yeah you wouldn't just do this for some schmuck like no it no, would no. Be like you, a real you, deal. you got like okay. candles lit for this one definitely oh man <laughs> okay well, I mean, I can jump in and say mine is Negro Swan by Blood Orange. Like, it's just sexy. Um, well, Deb is sexy, besides the point. Um, I believe it came out in 2019? I don't know, 2018. One of those years. It has so much swag. It, it continues in a very, like, nice pace. Um, and it's appropriate for that, you know, little moment. You gotta keep the momentum going. Um, it has a little saxophone action. Like, it's just so good. It's so good. And if you put it on, it'll be it'll be a good time for both of you, I think. I'm going to hop on. It's Max, everyone. And my sexy album is Set My Heart on Fire Immediately by Perfume Genius. It's such a weird choice for me. Okay. That's just so strange to me. Okay. So hear <laughs> me out. There are some sad tracks, but, like, if we look past those, ugh, it's... It's so good. Okay, I love... Um, but what happens when a sad track comes on? Like, what do you do? We avoid them, okay? We take the good ones, we put them aside. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like... I know, but I'm just thinking, like, the record's spinning. I And, like... This is why we don't have records. Have to... <laughs> <laughs> you just... Okay, so you... His yeah. voice is okay. soft yeah. and high, but, like, rich with, like, vulnerability. He sounds so strong, but but like soft <laughs> and I just think like he exudes sex on the album cover oh like I have yeah, he's hot. I have him in the he's corner so of my room hot. right you can't see but he's in the corner and he's just out watching you like it's cute <laughs> Avin, what's up with you 
My favorite uh, sexy album to listen to is Feels um, by Snow Allegra. Um, I don't know. I just kind of think it's like, you know, has a really good buildup from song to song. Like there's a story it's kind of telling about like the sexual innuendo of it all. There are a lot of themes of love, which I think are nice, like the romanticism of it all. It's kind of like intimate, but also like funky. Uh, Vince Staples is on one of the songs, and I I really like that song and what he does on it. I think it's really good. Get the fuck off my dick. Get the fuck off my dick. (laughs) Not that one, right? (laughs) Intimate. So uh, there you have it. A nice array of sexy tunes. Um... Let us know if you decide to use these and how pleasurable it was for you on a scale of 1 to 10. Um, That's all the details we want, though. So, now that we got that out of the way, let's bring you up to speed. If you don't recall, the last time we were all together, we were scattered across the country, or at least the state of Michigan, and talking about the crumbling of a number of social structures. Glad to see not everything has changed, but needless to say, this season is going to look a little different. We'll be shifting to a bi-weekly schedule, which will give us that much more time to make stuff that you'll really want to hear. As you may know, most of us have had way too much time on our hands these past few months, and if you're anything like us, you've probably spent a good chunk of that time doing some, well, let's just call it anatomy research, hopefully hands-on too. One of the most popular resources for this activity is website OnlyFans a subscription-based platform that allows subscribers accent to content from creators of their choice. You may have heard about OnlyFans recently due to Bella Thorne's recent business venture that was misguided at best. But for the past few years since its launch in 2016, however, thousands of creators, especially women, have found the platform to be really lucrative. More on that in a little bit. It isn't just OnlyFans, though. Sex and sexuality are everywhere in pop culture and social media. Now, while this has pretty much always been the case, there's been a noticeable shift in the way we consume, talk about, and engage in these subjects. In recent years, thanks in no small part to social media discourse, sex positivity has been what people use to justify these media representations, or alternatively, what they blame. It has often been a term used in feminist circles as a means of dismantling the shame associated with both casual sex and sex work. The term has since been used widely when discussing the sort of images or sentiments we share on social media, and has in some cases been tied up with the body positivity movement as well. Now, while the effects of sex positivity seem to be overwhelmingly positive, we wouldn't be arts interrupted if we didn't dig into the nuance a little bit. What does OnlyFans say about our current time, and more importantly, our collective desires? Where else in our current media do we see such an embrace of sexuality? We're going to get into all of that and more on our slutty little season premiere. Now, keep in mind that we are speaking from our own opinions and experiences and are definitely not trying to diminish or devalue a super cool moment in our culture. With that being said, I'm Emily. I'm Sam. I'm Max. And this is Arts Interrupted, the Michigan Daily's premier arts and culture podcast. Audra dropped out of school at age 15. She is one of those people that is always looking for a way to make money. Handling two, sometimes three jobs at once, Audra is always finessing to some degree or another. 
and one of her jobs includes OnlyFans. For $13 a month, you can get personalized videos and pictures from Fuck Audra. That's F-U-X-K-A-U-D-R-A. Check it out. Audra is among the 30 million registered users and around 450,000 content creators. The site is simply for soft porn, nude pictures, toy videos, dominatrix role plays, anything and everything is available. So pretty much anything goes. What I personally do is I post pictures um, and I like to get creative, like, um, how do I put this? Like, make them aesthetically pleasing. It's right. not more so much about the content and the sexualization of my body, but yeah. it's more so about the aesthetic and the eye-pleasingness of not just my body, but everything else about the image. Um, yeah. So I go with that. I will post, like, snippets of videos and kind of, like, dap them up a little bit. And then you can privately message me to purchase a video and do mm-hmm. deals. There's a monthly like subscription thing that um, you pay for. And then you also have the option for people to like unlock videos per se, which I um, haven't really figured out yet, but you can do that as well. For Audra, starting OnlyFans was a way to circumvent the unsafe conditions of other types of sex work. Now she can do it from the privacy of her own home. I started because, um, let me remember, um, so I, when I, on my 18th birthday, like, I was stripping at clubs in Detroit, Yeah. and it was, like, awful. It was terrible. Like, you cannot make money at the clubs over here unless you're, like, prostituting yourself, um, which is awful. Like, the, depending on the club, depending on the circumstance, like, it's really terrible. You've got to have, like, a really strong mindset to like get through it. So I got into it because I was already like selling like my nudes and like shit like that right. beforehand. Were and a friend of mine um no, like just um to like customers and stuff and other yeah. people that I know from Twitter. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my friend Matt, uh who is located in Seattle, had we had been talking and he had actually gotten into like doing porn and stuff he told me i should start an only fans he's doing really well off it now matt is like after just not even a year bro swear to god he's like a major like a, a high level up like porn star um really yeah he goes like rich rodney so Whoa. i started getting into it and i really didn't take it like that seriously at first um yeah because i was like man like i don't this is weird like to get used to, you know, right. it's it's not really, like, my kind of personality, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I realized after being online, you can literally be whoever the fuck you want to be. You feel me? But while OnlyFans is, in theory, a safer way to make money than stripping or, say, prostitution, there are risks involved with sex work, no matter the medium. If you, like, are on Twitter and you are a sex worker and you know, like, enough people... He, like there I've had people like reach out to me on Twitter privately um who are located literally and girl like you know where we're from right I know yeah so like two cities over like legit wow. a city over like less than three miles away reach out to me people I don't know and say they want to pay me this much this much for like something in person wow so basically sometimes there is, like, a dark side to OnlyFans where it can yeah. be in-person, like, prostitution, but at least you have the safety 
and the comfort of being able to like say no, which is different from right. the club. But then again, like you can also have guys who sell women's nudes, like other women's nudes on OnlyFans for money. Um, yeah. You can have people who will leak your nudes online, you know, pay for it and then leak your stuff. And that all comes with the risk. However, Audra is supported through the OnlyFans community, which is largely found on Twitter, connecting her to people all across the world. I have tons of friends who literally do it. I have couples who do it. I have, I know couples who do it. Like, I'm actually, like, working, like, with my um, my partner right now. Like, we do stuff together um, on wow. OnlyFans. Now, if you scroll through Twitter or hazily tap on the Snapchat Daily Mail articles, like I do, unfortunately, a lot of the time, Stories are constantly coming out about women making six-figure salaries on OnlyFans. Women can set their own prices and post as much as they want. To give you a breakdown on how lucrative this business can be, here's our resident economist, Avin. OnlyFans has not only made X-rated posts more ubiquitous, but has also created a monumental demand for this form of monetizable content. For many creators, OnlyFans is their biggest source of revenue. It's a website that demands constant communication, user engagement, and profile promotion, to the point where even if it isn't your primary income stream, it requires the dedication and time of a second job. For the vast majority of these freelancers, they have trouble drawing the line between where the job begins and ends, reflective of the increasing presence of a gig economy-related job taking the spot of more traditionally defined labor. To be fair, OnlyFans can't just be defined in comparison to its alternatives. A big reason for its popularity is because it allows users to become familiar with the sexual imagery they're viewing on a more personal level. It's an independent and more potentially lucrative platform for those who would otherwise typically work in prostitution or more traditional pornography. It can be economically democratizing because of its wide accessibility and a lack of real investment to get started. 80% of fees go to OnlyFans creators. And if you're a successful performer, it can be a financially independent platform where you can dictate the price and create a wide market. Let's not forget that there are still problems for many who have trouble leveraging the platform. They are being crowded out by more notable influencers, including Black China, Cardi B, and Bella Thorne, who draw fees away from less popular creators who are more reliant on the platform financially. Right now, the average user on OnlyFans makes only around $180 per month a paltry sum that can't be expected to cover regular everyday expenses. It can be a viable market where many creators make an unbelievably large return on investment, but most of the fees made by OnlyFans creators are concentrated amongst the top stars. The picture of OnlyFans is murkier than what meets the eye. And what you put into OnlyFans you make. Audra personally doesn't want to make OnlyFans her primary source of income, but if she wanted to, she probably could. I made more than half of my fucking paycheck off OnlyFans in, like, two hours. So, on OnlyFans, anyone can make an account. Men, women, non-binary people, couples old and young, whoever. Unlike some of the content you see within porn, the videos and pictures are personalized, as Avin mentioned earlier. And this idea of knowing the creators is enticing, as Audra has observed, to just about any type of demographic you can think of. And this personalized aspect seems to combat the seeming desensitization to sex that many academics claim porn contributes to. To some extent, the bond with the creator feels genuine. Like, sex workers do have regulars. They do have regulars, and they do, like, it is a bond. It is, like, I wouldn't really call it a friendship, but there is some form of relationship to it where, like, both parties are very consensual, very understanding, like, and there is some form of care or a level of care to it you know yeah and there's a tr- definitely a level of trust 
you, de- you definitely have to have a level of trust there as well. But asking if OnlyFans will replace porn is impossible to say, considering the amount of other websites that are available. OnlyFans isn't just the only website out there like that. There mm-hmm. is a bunch of other ones that other people like my friend, like Matt, has started using. Um, I'm not afraid to, like, say his name. He's not very private about it. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, like, you know, there are tons of other websites and resources and just, even um, Janice Griffiths, uh, she's actually a friend of mine, and she is, um, like, a, a huge porn star. Yeah. And she even uses OnlyFans. She makes, I think, 30 grand a month off OnlyFans alone, you know? So yeah. it's um, it varies. Like, the sex industry and porn industry, it's there's money to be made for sure. But right. to say OnlyFans is the the come up, I, I think it's kind of like, I think it's old news. I think it's old news. And I think there's there's new stuff to be coming out. However, there are people that enjoy the experience more than porn and will continue to support sex work. Honestly, I think that's the kind of 50-50 because there are a lot of men out there who are like, why would I pay for porn when there's Pornhub and XNXX and blah, blah, blah. But it's like there are a lot of men who are genuine and they do want to support sex work and they... Like, there are some, there are so many beautiful women out there, beautiful, right. absolutely gorgeous, like, right. that even I would pay for their OnlyFans, <laughs> you know, right. like, I, I would pay that, like, to see that. So, it's 50-50, it's whether or not, like, you've got some guys that are just like, you know, fuck this, fuck that, I'm not paying no bitch for da 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 I could go see it for free, but, like, you know, there are, there are some guys that will. And you'd be surprised what kind of guys that will. And there you have it. A new and thriving sex-positive platform where creators can happily post to their fans. Well, not until the Bella Thorne problem. In late August, the sex-positive former Disney star Bella Thorne joined the platform to publish her own content. Many OnlyFans creators quickly grew upset as they saw her garner over $1 million from subscriptions alone. And they had a right to be. As Aussie Rachel, a sex worker and OnlyFans creator, put it, Thorne got herself as deep into a platform and gentrified it, without acknowledging the plight of its top earners' sex workers. Other creators speak of her actions as an exploitation of the platform's civilian paycheck-to-paycheck community. If Bella Thorne wanted to actually experience what it's like being a sex worker, she could have disguised herself, made a fake name, bought an iPhone 7, and started from scratch, just like the majority of all sex workers had to do, ranted Twitter user and OnlyFans creator at the 666MILF. A lot of this outrage stems from the fact that Bella Thorne is a celebrity with more than enough money to support herself. Plus, she's joined a platform that's been used primarily by women in marginalized lower-income communities to pay their bills, and without bothering to plug creators who got their start from the platform. Due to her prior status and already held fame, the act feels reminiscent of a publicity stunt, a cash cow if you will, to keep Thorne in everyone's mouths. Aside from Thorne's infamous cash out from the platform, her existence on OnlyFans has resulted in some serious changes for creators. Probably the most egregious offense from her time on the site has been her scamming of her customers. Many were promised a nude photograph in exchange for $200, but the actual pictures did not match this description. 
Not only did this hurt the customers who were not given the promised product, but OnlyFans responded to this controversy by placing limits on how much a creator can charge for a post and receiving tips. This caused outrage in creators who felt like their source of income was being severely hampered by a person of relative privilege who was treating the platform like a game more than anything. Bella Thorne has been very vocal about her position as a sex-positive celebrity, but this identity is brought into question by her extremely negative and harmful impact on the community that she claims to celebrate. Although we can't say we're totally surprised, Thorne has spent lots of her time building her social media following and becoming a highly public influencer, so it makes sense to pivot to another platform where she could flex her following. Overall, OnlyFans is a controversial but interesting platform. To some degree, we're seeing sex work become more normalized, but it's only to an extent. There still is a stigma. However, Audra isn't ashamed to be on OnlyFans or to be openly sex positive. Why should she? At the end of the day, it's just a job. And you know what sells? Sex. I am not embarrassed to say, like, I'm doing this, like, yeah. to make a means for myself. Like, I'm not going to have somebody come at me and be like, I'm going to leak your nudes. Like, okay, I put them out there myself. Right. Like, I'm not proud of it, but I do it. Like, it's my own way of advertising. It's my own way of getting subscribers. It's my own way of building, like, a customer basis who will, in turn, buy videos and make requests for videos that I can charge more for, mm -hmm. um, which allows me to make more money. Um, I do know a lot of people are very, very private about it. Um, yeah. Like, incredible. Like, sometimes when I find out that certain people, like, have it and I had no idea, it's like, wow, like, I didn't even know they got down like that. But yeah, a lot of people like on Twitter, you they'll be posting it like every couple hours, like new video up, new video up, new video up, or somebody like me that just kind of like posts it every couple of weeks, like hey, like this is still around, like I'm still posting to this, like check it out. Or, um, I don't know how like people kind of underground advertise. They probably do it right. under like a false identity or they're yeah in one of those groups, but um. Me personally, I um, I mean, I've never really been a closed book. Like, I'm an open book. I don't really mm -hmm. have much to hide. And I mean, and you know me from yeah. <laughs> how long has it been? You know that what I've right. really been doing and what I've been up to. So um, that's kind of just how I, I stand on it. I don't have anything to hide. I am not one. it's a hot take to say that sex sells like this is obviously everybody knows that it's no secret songs are about sex films are about sex everything's about sex everyone's always thinking about it also yes obviously sex does sell and i think 
connecting to Belle Thorne's situation as an influencer, she was able, you know, to use her sexiness and her um, sex positivity, you know, to garner a lot of fans and followers, which like, you know, she ultimately transferred into her only fans, you know, kind of moment. But what do you think like influencer culture and only fans have in common? I mean, they're definitely both like the more followers the more followers you have the more successful you're going to be on either platform um but i think it's interesting to think about like where the money is coming on those two different things like if you're an influencer you're making your money by selling objects like you're you know you have ads and you're like selling services and things but then for only fans like you are what you're selling and i think it's interesting to like make that distinction i think like we are at a time where like you can be paid to be hot and I know that's like obviously models have always existed but like it's very easy now I think it's a lot easier to capitalize on hotness and you know I don't think there's anything wrong with that it sounds like it's you know the payoff is good like being an Instagram influencer being on OnlyFans I don't know like if I was if I could If I had the opportunity to do it, I probably would. And I think anyone would if you're just like, you know, hey, Fashion Nova, if you want to sponsor me, okay, cool, pay my bills. Like, I think taking the opportunity to make money off being cool and hot, it's fine. I think it's important to note that there's a lot of trends that, you know, bounce all over um, social media for influencers and Right now, we could see a little bit of a rise of sex positivity, but uh, in like using OnlyFans as like an like avenue to express that sex positivity, and I think it bec- it like starts to you know affect that platform when you have these really like you know popular stars, obviously with the Bella Thorne situation, but um, seeing it as a trend is like is not the best idea because. People make their salary from from OnlyFans. And there's a certain, like, personality, at least the way they exhibit themselves on OnlyFans seems more down-to-earth than influencers do because their work is so much more personable and intimate. When there's a, a certain way to make money, celebrities will find a way to do it themselves. Like, I mean, everything goes back to TikTok, doesn't it? Like, I think about celebrities making music on, like, Drake making 2C Slide on TikTok. You know, he realized that market is there and he made a song for TikTok because he realized, you know, that's how you blow up now. That's how you get songs popular. And you know what? If Embellathorn realized, hey, this is how I can remain relevant, then I'm going to do it too. So the modern normalization of sex positivity is nothing new to middle-aged women across America who had a profound enjoyment for wine, New York, and sex. So on the topic of sex in the city emily correction it's cosmopolitans not wine but whatever sorry I'm, I'm... <laughs> um thank you for giving the floor to somebody who knows a thing or two about this cultural moment um yeah i think that like you can't talk about sex in the media and like how we you know talk about it today without mentioning sex in the city because like okay i wasn't like there when it was like on tv i was not born yet but um from what i understand like this show had a really big impact on like everything like first of all it's what 
put HBO on the map. It's what made them, like, a successful, like, company. And then just, like, the way that they talked about their experiences, they were, okay, not without its problems, of course. It's still a product of its time. So there's of course. certainly some outdated perspectives and mm. language that's used. Mm-hmm. Transphobia. <laughs> you know, you take you take take it as it comes, whatever. It sucks, but I think we can't let that, you know, take away from the fact that the way that these women like talked about sex and like how honest and open that they were and like sometimes pretty graphic. Like they talked about like real shit that like we you know people experience when they do have sex or when they are dating um and i think beyond that it really you know quote unquote normalized uh talking about sex and like enjoying sex just for the sake of sex and not as you know this just a component of dating or whatever it's like people go out and have sex just because they like it just because they want to um and i think that the character of Samantha has really had, like, her moment recently because, like, you know, on the show, she's, like, the slutty blonde one. Like, that's her thing. Mm-hmm. But now people are, like, really starting to embrace that kind of so- culture of just, like, you know, maybe even more, like, encouraging of casual sex and that this is, like, a feminist act and it's, like, you know, being in control of your body and, like, liberating your body from whoever and so I think it's pretty cool and I think it's important uh, so I definitely think that um, uh, the point that Emily made was really important too just because like pre like pre-80s even like I realize this is a show that came in the late 90s but pre-80s I don't think like, sex was something that was necessarily like discussed in society and um, that's a very simplistic way of putting it but uh, like I'm just saying looking today now or looking at shows now like Euphoria for example um, I think you can kind of see not only the um intrinsic way in which sexuality and social media kind of play off each other in our lives but you also just see how much more okay sexuality is exploring sexuality is um that taboos are kind of just being like pushed back on and i think it's that's like a result of like sex in the city and influential media from like the 80s the 90s i mean it this kind of it started in the 60s um you know with like women's movement and just realizing the freedom of like your body and you know and sex has always been a topic in music too like you know from early rock and roll it was like sex drugs and rock and roll right and and i think that to an extent people were very like afraid that it was going to be damaging to like children and society it's like oh we talk about it so much and then we realized, hey, wait a minute, the more we talk about it, the more people realize that it's something everyone wants, and it's something, like, you know, everybody does. So, and I think just in our generation, too, we're so, we're way more accepting of openly, like, talking about sex and, you know, thinking about sex, that, that like, OnlyFans is exactly that. It's like, yeah, whatever, I have a beautiful body and (laughs) i just think that like yeah it's interesting because like it's especially in music like it's always been talked about in music it's just always been under so many layers of like metaphor and coded language and stuff so it's like yes exactly everyone still knows what they're talking about it just never has been as explicit and never has there been such 
pride and like the explicitness of it as it is now I think and that obviously can lead us to the song of the summer (laughs) people can't stop talking about it my WAP (laughs) what has pussies have dominated the narrative Wet ass pussy baby For those unfamiliar I don't know how you would be unfamiliar With this fucking song But it is WAP And it's by Megan Stallion And Cardi B And oh, yes. it's basically about Being a bad bitch And liking to have Liking sex And being it's good at sex Straight up empowerment You know compared to its There's some cis-head. whores in this house There's some whores in this house <laughs> It's so the fat male freak. counterparts are like like slob on my knob. Can we can we talk about that's like coercive and like it's not no slob on my knob is a classic. It's so and, good okay. though. It's okay, such no, a good it's catchy, very catchy. So catchy and so is WAP, but there's not this like empowerment in like the male body. Like they're not talking about themselves in this like positive. I feel empowered to be gross when I hear. I mean, that. I feel like, like that song is definitely to be a terrible person. It's more like Slob on My Knob is more about like the conquest, but this I feel like I mean right. I feel like they both are in a way, but WAP is more like about this like just the self, you know, and like mm-hmm. how yeah. you how I myself am experiencing it. But then I don't know. I think they're both like, but legit. it's also like. And it's also, like, no one's ever questioned when men talk about sex. No one's ever been, like, ew, why are you saying you're good at fucking? Like, that's so strange. But, like, when women are, like, yeah, I'm good at fucking, it's, like, so disgusting and absurd that a woman could be, like, yeah, duh, I do that. Like, it takes two to tango, bitch. Like, why are you mad? Um, Yeah, and, and I think... I, I I think there's been, you know, women have made songs in the vein of, like, sexual power, um, mm-hmm. but nothing as, I don't, I don't know if, of anything this explicit. explicit. Like, you know, I was thinking, like, Joan Jett in the 80s is like, do you want to touch? But it's not mm-hmm. like, hey, my fucking pussy's wet. Like, yeah. no, it's never that. And I think, so I think that's great. And I, I, you know, I'm here for it. Me too. I don't think though that's like you can singularly singularly base um the fact that it's less inhibited on the fact that we've become I guess more sex positive as much as we've just become des- desensitized towards the more graphic natures of what sex is I as think, well maybe like I think you could kind of lean into I feel like it's two sides of the same coin yeah I think that like sex positivity is just a different way of saying like we're desensitized you know. I I, yeah. I think it's Maybe just like under a guys. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's just a more positive way of framing it. It's like I'm not like, mm. you know, just so jaded to seeing people's bodies, but I am celebrating them, and I'm, you know, I see, you know, I think it's, you could see it both ways, and they both are right. That's all we got for you for our sex episode. Thanks so much to Audra for talking with us for this week's episode of Arts Interrupted. As per usual, this episode has been brought to you by our executive producer, Sam Small, senior editors, Emily Ohl, and me, Max Rosenzweig, our content creator, Avin Cutyall, our audio producers, Will Peterson and Ben Schreier, and our spunky audio engineer, Spencer Harris. We'll see you in two weeks' time.
Peace.